Hello, welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Jill Lupton, and with me is my colleague, Mike Hansen. So, markets are kind of itching for a pivot in the uh, central bank space. I think ideally, risk markets would even like it if we were seeing an end to the hiking cycle. We certainly don't see this happening just yet. Um, you know, we've got hikes from the Fed, BOE, and Norges Bank on deck for next week. Uh, you know, that came after hikes from the ECB, Bank of Canada this week. Um, you know, however, I think our, our forecasts are for, you know, more aggressive uh, central bank hikes here still coming. But this most aggressive central bank hiking we've seen, most synchronized global central bank hiking cycle that we've seen in probably 40 years is expected to come to an end in Q1. So I think you know, it's reasonable, indeed it is our forecast, uh, to see the pace of hikes starting starting to slow. Um, even still, I think it's probably what's most important to recognize is that this is going to be data dependent. Uh, if our forecast is right, both growth and inflation uh, need to moderate uh, back to sustainable trends before central banks are going to feel comfortable in uh, in uh, kind of slowing those pace of hikes or even coming to an end. So let's unwrap that, Mike, and let's start with the macro space, and then we'll end with kind of going a little bit into central banks. And of course, we have the Fed up next week. Uh, but just sticking with the macro side of things, and let's look at what we learned this week uh, from the, the GDP reports, which are starting to come in. We got both U.S. and China. Um, what did we what did we learn on that front? Yeah, I mean, both came in for the third quarter, notably stronger than what we had seen prior quarter or two. Right. So the U.S. is actually pretty negative for the first two quarters. We've, of course, dismissed that as an actual recession. Uh, and we got uh, two point six percent at annualized rate for the third quarter. Not quite as strong as the three percent we were looking for. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you know, a noticeable move back to uh, positive territory there. Details perhaps a little more mixed in that it was very heavily trade driven. Uh, and so, you know, kind of private domestic sales, not quite nearly so strong when it's all said and done. Um, but it's against a backdrop where I'd argue that the activity data on whole for the U.S., the housing market being a big exception there, has generally uh, held in pretty well, right? On the China side, we got a very big balance back. We were looking for that, right? The second quarter uh, turns out contracted with revisions 7.3% uh, annualized rate because of the Omicron drag. But we had a 9% uh, expansion in the third quarter, and that was obviously a, a very strong rebound as we anticipated. We are expecting growth to be more like, you know, more trend like as we go forward uh, in the fourth quarter and beyond. Let's talk about going forward here, because I think you are seeing a macro pivot uh, through the third quarter with uh, maybe Europe kind of starting to slow and what we think is heading into a recession and that bounce that you just referenced in the third quarter, at least for the, the U.S. and particularly for China. As we look to the fourth quarter, I think the data is getting a little mixed. We had those flash PMI reports out this week for the developed markets. Those are October prints. Um, maybe a little concerning, or am I getting too downbeat on those? Well, it was interesting because they were kind of mixed in a way, in the sense that the U.S. numbers were definitely more disappointing and, and suggested weaker growth than we're looking for going forward. Uh, on the other hand, the European numbers actually, both uh, the UK, where the, the PMI isn't suggesting contraction, uh, and in the euro area, where it's suggesting very modest contraction, I mean, they look better than what we've been anticipating for the fourth quarter. We are actually looking for Europe to slip into recession and into the first quarter of next year. In fact, uh, we actually revised up our European growth forecast this week for the fourth that's quarter, correct. right? 
Yeah, and and the ECB as well. We'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, look, the the PMIs are pointing to to some further weakness, uh, particularly in the U.S. You're also seeing a funny pattern in that services, I think, are weaker than we might have anticipated, given the story around the rotation from goods to services that has been an important underpinning part of our view, right? So PMIs don't feel as consistent with the outlook as we might otherwise hope. Let's let's talk about the U.S. specifically, because that was where I think you're, you're right to point out that was a big drop uh, in, in those numbers, raising some concerns. We don't tend to put a lot of weight on the U.S. PMIs for the U.S. outlooks, partly because maybe they don't match as well. But I think the big reason is we just have a lot more data in the U.S. to look at. Uh, and that sets us up because for next week, because next week we are going to get a lot of data. And I think if you were to get a disappointment next in next week's data, that might reaffirm some of the negative signal that we saw in the PMI. So walk me through the data that we're getting next week and what it is we should expect to see. Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's two main uh, data releases next week. There's the ISM, which is in some sense a complement of the PMI, if you want, mm -hmm. right? The US. And has been running uh, a lot higher than the PMIs. It has. That's exactly right. In particular, services have been kind of more steady with maybe a slight down, whereas there's been a much more pronounced downward trend in the PMI services, right? So we are looking for you know a non-trivial step back uh, in services uh for next week's uh, release. I think it's 1.7 if I'm correct yeah. on that one. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, I would still leave it at a level that is pretty solidly consistent with still robust growth. So it's not sending nearly as concerning a signal as perhaps the PMIs are, right? The other, of course, big release next week is the jobs report. And that's gonna be really kind of the key one. It is after the Fed meeting next week, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, whereas the, uh, the ISM will, will be released ahead of time. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, that's obviously a, a, a key consideration in terms of trying to assess just where the, the U.S. economy is going. We've been looking for some slowing. We're expecting we're going to get some slowing there. Um, and that's really going to be, I think, the, the set the tone for the debate around, you know, are we getting enough slowing the Fed can be comfortable? Are we getting so much slowing that maybe the Fed has to you know, think twice about it? Or is it possibly the case that, as it kind of feels, I would argue, with this, the, the inflation numbers, that they're not selling quite enough yet to make the Fed as comfortable with their forecast as they might otherwise want to be. Well, I mean, so let's, since you've kind of started to open that up on the Fed, let's just, let's go into that a, a, a little bit more. First of all, we are looking for a 75 basis point hike. Uh, this, this whole pivot kind of conversation kind of began a little bit with the Fed, with some of those media reports talking about that earlier, really kind of reflecting, I think I would argue what was the rhetoric coming out from some of the Fed speak as well. And arguably it is our forecast for uh, a pivot in a second derivative sense, as I said earlier, we do have a slowing in the pace of hikes. Uh, should is Is something happening beyond that? Is this just reaffirming what we're expecting or uh, you know, are are we actually thinking maybe there could be a, a slowing in the pace? And it's worth noting we did have that that RBA kind of slowing in the pace of hikes earlier this month with yes. the Bank of Canada slowing. Right. Uh, right. And right. people wanted to read that through to the ECB this week and to the Fed maybe next week. Is that a uh, bridge too far? Uh, it might be. I mean, it's. It, it, I think it's a bit challenging because I would argue, particularly the Bank of Canada didn't do a great job of explaining what they were thinking there. 
Um, but you know, there's a couple of factors here, right? One well, am I is, mistaken on that, Mike? Didn't they kind of mention they're worried about kind of the growth picture and a little bit of slow or not worried, maybe it's a strong word, but they're seeing a slowing in growth and that's with long and variable lags. Maybe that is kind of, they don't need yes, to do but, as much. But a key part of that debate, and, and we're kind of leading up to this, was whether that was specifically an, uh, a concern around just how much the housing market has slowed and whether there's a financial stability angle to that or not. And I think that the, the whole pivot debate has moved in the direction of, of this question around should central banks be concerned that their policies are either revealing or perhaps in some sense creating some sort of financial stress, right? I think that's kind of the thing that's gotten the, the attention of the markets of late. We've obviously debated that and written about that a lot recently, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, the one thing I would I would note, and I, I, you and I obviously are debating on this about how much yes. is financial stability. I would just point out that maybe another reason to temper the RBA and Bank of Canada is that their mortgage markets are much more sensitive to front-end rates. Fair enough. Right? And that might make you maybe not want to put as much weight on that type of pivot. That's fair. The flip side is, and you, I think, circulated a graph uh, within the team uh, tonight. I mean, this is one of the, the sharpest declines in the U.S. housing market in quite some time, right? Mm -hmm. So there, there's certainly some, some concerns there, right? I mean, it's hard to say exactly how this is going to play out. I do think that there's a fair argument to be made that you've got a combination of some signs of slowing in the things the Fed wants to see slowing in, right? It looks like inflation has stabilized, if not even coming down a little bit. Certainly in headline core is perhaps a bit more debatable, but maybe there's some signs there as well, right? Um, you're, you had you know, ECI uh, out today, still strong, but not accelerating anymore. That's uh, perhaps, again, from a second derivative argument, as you said, perhaps an encouraging sign, right? And of course, you've got a number of central banks, EM and DM, that are now comfortably in restrictive territory that it's only natural to start scaling back to some extent. Right. So I think it's I think it's a little unclear. And I think this is where the debate in the markets is uh, about how much central banks are and how much they should be concerned about over tightening at this stage, given that inflation is still running strong and labor markets are still tight uh, and whether there's a financial stability angle to that or not. Right. I think it's I think it's an active debate in markets. Right. Our view, and I think, you know, correctly from the standpoint of the Fed, is that's not really what's relevant for next week. And it may not be something that's on their agenda necessarily for December, but time will tell, right? We're going to have two more months of data uh, or close to it, right? Uh, and we'll see how things play out, right? Um, we are looking for them to step down to 50. I think it's strong to call that a pivot, right? Uh, but nonetheless, that's what's, you know, that's what we but, have. But it, it's that is that plus the fact that after that, we're only looking for 25 more and that's then we're right. done. Yep. Right. I mean, right. Q1, if you look at global policy yep. rates, Q1 are done by Q1 of, of next right. year. Right. That's right. Exactly. Right. And, and and that's where the debate comes back to, oh, hmm, RBA, Bank of Canada, are they signaling that maybe this this is going to happen a little sooner? Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, and I think at this point, the read through is no. In fact, we just added a hike of the 25 basis points to the ECB. They are in a real bind because they are facing recession, maybe not quite as deep as we had thought, but it's there. Uh, and at the same time, the inflation numbers are just just continually hammering into the upside. That's um, what's interesting, Mike, right? Because like we yeah. put out our inflation monitor this week and it kind of felt like we were beyond a peak in core inflation. And, I, and I'll be the first to admit I was starting to kind of push that story. And then we got upside surprises today uh, on U.S. 
core. We got upside surprises in the national reports in Europe. And I think it's just a reminder that even if we're beyond the peak, that things are still elevated. We continue to see some upside surprises. And maybe that's just a reminder that even if there's a second derivative pivot is by no means a first derivative pivot. I guess that's the way to interpret it. Yeah, I think I think it's also uh, we've been saying this. We should acknowledge again that Europe does look special in this circumstance, right? There are some, the idiosyncratic shocks in headline inflation that are clearly unique to Europe in this environment, right? The counter there, for what it's worth, I mean, we also did see University of Michigan inflation expectations move up uh, this you know this month relative to the last month. So it, we're clearly not out of the woods, and that's why we do think central banks still need to keep their feet on the brakes. Right. And that's why it's too early to talk about a substantive pivot and, and probably too early for the Fed, uh, certainly, and, and too early to, to talk about the ECB slowing down substantially. Right. Given the backdrop that we're facing from a macro standpoint, setting aside all these considerations around financial stability, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I'll just throw in there before wrapping it up. It is it is a little confusing on the ECB simply because, right, we added one more hike, partly because the growth is looking a little bit better, partly because the inflation is surprising to the upside. And uh, but at the same time, the ECB meeting this week, they actually moved away from commitments to, to further sure. hikes. I mean, it was arguably a somewhat yep. dovish report, which, you know, kind of was a part of this whole pivot point. Moreover, I would point out, Bank of England, where people at one point were looking for 250 basis points, we stuck with 75 basis points at next week's meeting. And now maybe the door is even open for a 50 basis point hike. Similarly, Norges Bank, you know, we're looking for 50, but it's, the odds are starting to look more like a 25. Uh, so things are moving in that direction, notwithstanding this kind of inflation uh, concern that's still still lingering. Exactly. And that and that in the end is why people are are some people at least are interpreting that that there's some under effectively underlying change in the reaction function or risk management approach or whatever, because while inflation is strong, huh, central banks seem to be have something else on their minds or they would be still going, you know, with large. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's I, the, I would characterize right? just we're, as we're getting that, near the end. We're getting near yes. the end. And that's what's happening. Yeah, I think that's look, I think I think that story is certainly true. And I think there's still this ongoing debate about just how much that financial stability side of things actually yeah, matters. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll be watching that. Okay, let's let's wrap it up there. It's it's a really busy time with a lot of things in motion. Uh, all of that is no doubt fanning that excitement over a potential pivot. Uh, we got a number of central bank meetings coming up, including the Fed. We get U.S. payrolls on deck, 175,000 there we're looking for. Uh, so we'll have a lot to discuss. Uh, we look forward to doing just that next week here on JP Morgan TV.